Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, welcome back, Brewer fans, to the Brew Crew Review. Is there a slight hiatus? Uh, we're back with you. Joining me today, Craig, is Vince. Vince, how are you doing? Hey, Craig. I'm doing well, man. How are you? Great. Um, good to talk. Oh. Good to talk some baseball again. Do we have uh, Scotty or Chad on? Um, they've got the info. They should be chiming in a moment. We will be prepared for that, but no promises, I guess. It is after a holiday weekend, as we just celebrated our country's independence, and those guys do like to drink. So who knows? I mean, hangovers are. <laughs> but uh, tough gig, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, definitely um, lots to talk about. I mean, the last podcast we 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 came to our fans with was a Willie Thomas. The acquisition of Willie Thomas is just about a, over a month ago, and since then, not only has Brook Review went on a, a baseball trip together, but um, the Brewers have also sustained the best record in baseball since then. Are have a dominating seven game lead in the NL Central as of this podcast have been named three all-stars and yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, just on a side note, the Milwaukee Bucks are even in the finals. Um, so a lot of things, not good things here are happening in Milwaukee. The Brewers didn't just yep. come off an 11 game winning streak, which is second longest technically in um, team history. Unfortunately, they, they felt one game short of those George Red burgers, but uh, I think it's still pretty exciting. I know our, our former, colleague Mark Antoniak is probably a little upset about not getting the burgers, but besides that, uh, it's kind of great time to be a Milwaukee Brewer baseball fan. What do you, what do you say, Vince? It, you know what, Craig, you're right. This has just been an exciting month. And, um, I, you know, I, I have to say I'm going to eat crow a little bit. I, uh, wasn't down on a diamond so much as Urias in our last taping. I'll, I'll just start off with that and, and eat crow and say that, He's really come on strong. I, you know, I, I, I think like many Brewer fans, I was a little disappointed in his start to the year and obviously coming off a disappointing 2020 where he was battling COVID. But, you know, uh, seeing him day in and day out, and maybe it's being paired with a guy like Adamus. And I, I can't say enough about Colton Wong and, and Adamus with the team. And um, it just seems like the Brewers have done a really good job of, you know, balancing uh, their playing time and, guys being able to fill in through injuries and and really playing as a unit so you know kudos to the front office for putting together an infield that's just done an outstanding job uh and i, I really think that that's been the catalyst for uh, the team's success outside of our pitching for the past month has just been that that glue in the middle infield and, and even extending the third base after travis shaw's injury absolutely um and the thing about arias i mean when the demonstrate happened i mean i guess that's a wake call to anyone who you know Earlier in the season, in fact, I think the first weekend of the actual season, the Brewers uh, made a move to uh, send ship out uh, Orlando Arcia to the Braves and basically hand yeah. starting shortstop job to Rios. And then right. a couple months later, or not even two months later, uh, they trade for his replacement. Uh, I guess that'll light a fire under the spot anyone. It's like one of those things where, um, you know, if someone, you know, someone's in their last year of their contract, they seem to perform pretty well for some reason before their next big pay date. So I think this is one of those things that we <laughs> like put up or shut up time. And 
Uh, fortunately for him, and I guess for the Brewers even, that uh, there's some other injuries happening in the infield, uh, notably Colton Wong, a couple of stints on the DL, and Travis Shaw actually is going to have a lengthy trip to the DL. They've opened up playing time if uh, second and third for Rios to basically still get regular at-bats. I think at one point he had a 11-game hitting streak as well uh, in the last month. Um, and, I mean, with power, I think he's on pace to have like 20 homers, 20 steals, pretty good on base skills. I mean, he's pretty – I mean, it's exciting to think that he's going to be part of our team, probably getting somewhat regular at-bats somewhere going forward, whether that be at third base or whatnot. But, um, I mean, really, he's, he's yep. solidified himself as an everyday player, I think, going far which is what I believe the Brewers brass envisioned him as when they acquired him. I mean, we definitely sent out some pretty valuable pieces and uh, Zach Davies and of course, uh, Trent Grisham in order to acquire him. So him and Eric Lauer, who, yep. and who I should also point out has also put together a few nice starts here and then some nice rotations. Yeah, absolutely. As the Brewers. Yeah, absolutely, side. man. For being a four starter. Absolutely. Yeah, and the thing about that is obviously in this year following 2020's odd season where not that many guys got in, a lot of innings pitched, um, the Brewers are kind of going with a six-man rotation here to limit some of our starters' innings, and I think that's really smart, and having someone like Lauer now is proving to be really invaluable. And, uh, yeah, well, with that being said, our rotation still has held up pretty well. As dominating as they were from the get-go, our big three of um, Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta have been phenomenal. And, of course, our bullpen has been pretty phenomenal as well. I mean, so that's really been our key to our success. The offense finally is coming. We're firing on all cylinders finally. And uh, nothing's stopping the Brewers train. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, uh, I have, I'm going to put this on mute for a moment. I have to apologize. We're driving through uh, rural Texas. I'm calling in from – Eagle Lake, Texas, which is in the middle of nowhere, uh, and there is a railroad track that we are quickly uh, turning away from so that I can continue to talk. So, no, sorry I, about that. I, I thought maybe that was a wrong, I thought maybe we were at another Round Rock Express game. That's fine. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I apologize. We are uh, returning from our, our 4th of July festivities in the beautiful hill country of uh, Texas, just uh, about an hour north of San Antonio, and uh, driving back to Houston as we are recording this. So, uh, I apologize. It's much quieter now on the side street that we turned out. So um, thank you, Lena, for some good driving skills. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, sorry about that. Not a problem. So, I mean, no, that was a great uh, segue into congratulating our all-stars as the all-star games here just over a week away and the, including the draft coming up. So it's kind of a cool couple of days next week uh, with the yeah. the all-star game and a couple of days of the draft. What, what a time to be a baseball fan, especially for Brewer fans. The Brewers will definitely be in first place and then all central when the all-star break hits and yep. um, three all-star pitchers for the first time in team history. I think five different times previously they had sent two pitchers, but this is the first time they've ever sent three. So congratulations to Brandon Woodruff. Corbin Burns and Josh Hader. And what you're pointing out to me in our pre-production meeting, Vince, is that um, it's even possible that we could have a fourth pitcher added and Freddie Peralta um, as a replacement. Um, yeah. Also had a great, great first half. And uh, I guess Brandon Woodruff was not going to pitch. So possibly Freddie will get to go instead. Well, that's a possibility. And, you know, even if it's not Woodruff who ends up uh, not actually being uh, able to play during the actual all-star game, I still think that, you know, Freddie's numbers put him right up in the upper echelon of pitchers in the national league. And 
Um, first of all, wow, from a number three starter. And, and second, though, I think that he, like I said, his numbers go up against anybody. I think that, um, you know, Freddie's got the ability to to get guys out in big time situations that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're Dave Roberts and you're trying to win the game for the national league, I think that, you know, that's a, that's a definite plus. And um, I, I certainly could see it happening. So as, as we tape this though, yeah, three all-stars of the most, any team in baseball has is four. So, you know, the Brewers are, are going to be well represented in Denver and uh, you know, excited for the game. I love the all-star game. It's one of my favorite nights of the summer. I, you know, I know that we've watched it together in the past uh, before Craig, it's uh, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. I've always loved the all-star game. So excited to see it. And, um, I do want to go back really quick as we were kind of recapping the last I guess, month of Brewers baseball um, and just talk about that series against the Cubs. I'm still excited about it. Uh, the sweep of the Cubs at, at home in Milwaukee was a, was just such a highlight for me of the first half. And, um, you know, obviously it's special anytime that you do that against your rival. It's even more special when, when that team is in second place that you're playing uh, and you're playing essentially for the division. And the Brewers were able to come through in the clutch during some huge moments uh, in that series. And, and uh, you know, they, it, it, it you, again, we're still at the half point of the season. So nothing's written in stone yet, but the Brewers certainly looked like the better team uh, during that series. And especially that game where the Brewers were down seven, nothing in game what was it, three of the series. Uh, you know, you had a rookie making his major league debut on the mound and Aaron Ashby and you kind of, you know, chalk it up to being just one of those games and you get blown out by, seven runs in the first and the Brewers were not only able to come back and win the game, but to win the game 14 to seven, 14 to eight, whatever the final was just an incredibly uh, gratifying performance by the crew. And um, I, it's, I always have fun watching baseball, but that was one of the games I had most fun watching in quite a while, just from start to finish. I was working from home that day and watched every inning. It was, it was just awesome. Just loved it. Had to, had to throw that out there. Yeah, in fact, um, I'll even point out the fact that I attended two games during the 11-game winning streak. Um, the first one was the fr- Friday, June 30th. Or wait, uh, wait, that date's not right. The the Friday, it must have been, um, it was the game. Well, first of all, the first, the Monday's Cubs game, um, that uh, where they had a 10-run t- inning in the eighth inning or whatever. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Yep. Um, yep, that was a Friday game. That's right. And then the the previous Friday against the Rockies, where the, they also uh, had a comeback. I think they were down. Don Gray pitched for the Rockies that game, and they were down, it was yep. afternoon three o'clock game. The were down most of the game. I think four to two most of the game, and they came back, tied it, uh, and then won it. And that was pretty awesome. And then. The Monday game against the Cubs, but the game you pointed out that I wasn't there, but I really was my favorite game of the year so far was definitely, uh, you know, the Aaron Ashby start the third game of the Cubs series where again, I was kind of questioning and I think other Brewer fans as well, why the, uh, the Brewers weren't starting Carbon Burns on regular rest, but again, they were going with that six man rotation and throwing Ashby in there for yep. his major league to yep. be. I'm like, well, why do it at a, against a whole pro, high profile team like the Cubs, Cubs and not way to dig against the Pirates or whatever. But uh, it seemed to work out, even though it didn't seem like it was going to when Ashby got lit up for seven runs in the top of the first inning. The Brewers, though, came back and had 15 runs on the board by, I think, the end of the fourth inning. or (laughs) So, I mean, it it was actually the first game in Major League Baseball history, I believe, or at least since 1901, I believe, since any any team, both teams had a seven-run lead before the fourth inning. So that's pretty incredible. Yeah. 
Yeah, first first time in the modern era, which is considered to be 1901 after the uh, the American League was established in 1901. So yeah, first first time in the modern era of baseball where that occurred, and uh, yeah, it was just incredible. And I think you could really argue both sides of why that was a, a right or a wrong decision to start Ashby instead of Burns. I, I get the argument. Yeah, you start your big game pitcher Corbin Burns against your big time rival. You know, he's operating on regular rest, and you know every game is huge, and you, you could not only not gain a game in the division, but you lose a game, of course, when you lose against the team in second place. But, um, you know, Craig Council's logic, I think, was also equally sound. And that is, you know, again, with the weirdness of 2020, especially being taken into consideration, you had all these guys that throw, you know, way less innings last year than they're accustomed to. So you have to kind of adjust and make sure that those guys are getting enough rest as they work themselves into a more regular pitching rhythm. And, um, so I really get both sides of that argument. Um, you know, having a six-man rotation allows guys like Corbin to be, you know, especially sharp, hopefully is, is the next start, which he was uh, against Pittsburgh. And it, it, it did work out at the end of the day. So I, I can see both sides of that argument. Um, I know our colleague Tom Ondercourt was, you know, questioning every move that the Brewers make. He's always, you know, a negative guy and doom and gloom every day and all this negative stuff. But I, 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 I tend to think that, you know, the Brewers' pragmatic approach uh, is paying some dividends. And we're seeing that in numerous ways across the board. And I, I think that that pragmatic approach is certainly what Stearns and Council's MO kind of is. And, um, you know, there's times where you kind of should throw all that out the window. And certainly if it's the last week of September and you need that win, you, you go for it. But um, I think that you can, you can justify rolling the dice a little bit more uh, at this stage of the year, knowing that you've got a good team, knowing that you've got a good offense, knowing that you've got – um, a good bullpen. So, you know, like uh, kind of the underrated point of that game to me was that, yeah, you had a starter that got blown up, but then you also had guys that were good enough coming in from the bullpen to keep the Cubs there. You know, the fact that the bullpen was able to essentially pitch eight and two thirds innings or whatever it was that game and keep the Cubs offense there. I mean, the Cubs don't have a bad offense. They've got a pretty decent offense and uh, the Brewers bullpen could be relied on to, to get that many outs that game and keep them there. It was pretty exciting. No, you're absolutely right. And I guess I'm going to start by saying that I, I, I didn't realize Tom Carter, Hardcourt still had a job, but it's kind of surprising to me, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. It's, 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 still I also wanted to point out that uh, for the Cubs, but before, not against the Brewers, but they played the, the Dodgers previous RC series and uh Actually, former Brewer Zach Davies started a combined no-hitter for the Cubs that day, which was yep. kind of disappointing, but I was kind of happy for Zach. But uh, I guess the Cubs haven't won since that game. <laughs> They've lost nine straight. That's true. And uh, yeah, yeah, so now it doesn't bother me at all. So, uh, yeah, the Cubs are pretty much eight and a half games behind us in, in third place in the division. The Cardinals are three games under 500. The Pirates, of course, are dead last. Just a curiosity, I know it's it, it's funny to say this, that, you know, Cincinnati is actually in second place, but still seven games back. In all honesty, um, which club are you the most concerned with out of, I guess, the three that are within ten, within 10 games of us? St. Louis Cardinals, Chicago Cubs, yeah. Cincinnati Reds, as far as, like, our biggest competition yeah. for the second half. No, that's a good question. I'm going to say St. Louis, um, and that's 
not because they've done anything to deserve that in the first half, but um, it's just because of their track record. They're really always been a good second half team. Uh, their organization kind of prides itself on that slow and steady approach. And there've been other years within the past few seasons that they've, you know, had pretty decent deficits, um, and, you know, going into the all-star break and came out and played really well in the second half. Uh, I think 2019 as recent as that. And, um, you know, they're just, they're too good, uh, organizationally, I think to just dismiss, you could never have a big enough lead against them. And, you want to bury them as much as possible. I even think back to the Brewers, you know, great team in 2011. And, you know, we all know what happened. And uh, even though the Cardinals finished way behind us in the actual division, I think 10 games back, they were still able to somehow win a World Series that year. And um, so I, I, I just don't think you can count the Cardinals out, unfortunately. Um, so that's my pick. Yeah. And I think before the season started, the, the... – Teams I was most concerned with, or uh, we all kind of thought Cardinals would be there right with, there with us kind of toward the end of the season. I was a little bit concerned yep. with the, the Reds as well. And I didn't really think the Cubs, after trading using Darvish, were going to be contenders this year. And obviously, they had a pretty good first half uh, up till nine days ago <laughs> or nine games ago. Yeah. With that being said, that they still weren't worrying me. Like uh, when they play other teams like you know, the Cardinals or the Reds, I, I guess I still root for them to beat those teams to yeah. benefit us just because I, I guess I have that l- less of respect for the current Cubs. The one thing is I kind of, you know, one of the drawbacks is of us bearing the, re- the the Cubs here though. I'm wondering if they're going to go ahead and, and try to trade some of these guys. They have pending free agents. Obviously I think Baez, Bryant and Rizzo are all pending free agents. Uh, and I, and I That's believe right. that if they were going to be contending, they would have probably just uh, kept those guys and got the draft picks or whatever. But now it wouldn't be surprised if they continue on this path that they actually trade and get a decent haul for the future for Bryant. So, but whatever, I, I'm not concerned. Yeah, I think either way. Yeah, I think you're right. It could happen. I, I, you know, all that stuff, all those speculation with trades and deadline stuff is is always dependent on, on you know who the trading partners are going to line up with and, and how the market plays out. You don't trade them if you can't get you know a solid return for them. I don't think. But, but yeah. Most trade market. I think that there will be this year, and I, I think we'll, I'm sure, get into that on a future uh, episode. Yeah, I really want to give kudos to to the the Brewers brass, um, David Stearns, Matt Arnold, and also the manager Craig Council, because they really. They they really have done a great job uh, this this season. I think their best job collectively in the last four or five years, uh, and this is with the Brewers making the playoffs for three straight years before this year. I think this is their best. I mean, they've yeah. from day one done what it's taken to continually improve this team. I mean, like I said, they they traded out Orlando Arcia really early in the season. Uh, they've made other yep. key moves all along. Um, obviously, Adamas is a huge pickup. He's been super clutch for us. Um, and, yeah. and even even just adding bullpen pieces, um, like you know, they recently signed Hunter Strickland, and I, it's just you can just tell that they're currently. I don't think they've really sacrificed much from the farm system at all, but they've still continually improved the team. Obviously, yeah. uh, you know, when, to, to acquire Adamas, we we sent out two pretty good young relievers. But with that being said, yeah. I mean the rest of it, you know, they really haven't had to give way too much, but they've made these little subtle improvements that really helped the team. And so kudos to them. And I really think council has been doing a phenomenal job as a manager 
um, as well. Yeah, no, I totally, to- totally agree. And, you know, uh, I think they deserve credit for several reasons. Number one is their ability to kind of think outside the box. Not many GMs are going to trade their opening day starting shortstop like three or four days into the season. Number uh, Or go out and acquire another guy in May in a fairly big deal, you know, trading two guys that um, really it appeared a lot out of the Brewers bullpen and Fire Eisen and Rasmussen and, you know, not not being afraid to, to go out and get talent when you see talent available. Um, and, you know, so I, I think that that kind of creative approach deserves some credit. I think that their management of both the bullpen and sort of that 26 guy on the roster deserves a lot of uh, praise. Uh, they've really done a good job of keeping that shuttle going constantly from Nashville. I mean, I think Pablo Reyes has been called up three different times in the past week and a half. Um, it's, it's just partially due to injury, of course, but it's been really an organizational philosophy now for several years that, I've noticed with Stearns is that, you know, you've got, you've got a, a, these guys in the bullpen, these arms that can kind of be interchangeable and you keep, you keep the bullpen fresh that way. Um, they've identified some guys that they can bring up and throw even in an MLB debut in big situations. I'm thinking in this case of Miguel Sanchez, uh, who's been really solid out of the pen for Milwaukee in his uh, first week plus in the majors at this point. Um, but they've done that with other guys throughout the year and, and, uh, they're not afraid to do that. And then number three, they didn't necessarily, um, you know, have many other options, I guess, given the budgetary constraints. But the fact that we were able to rely on our own, essentially homegrown big three going into the year is really exciting. And that faith uh, in your own guys and that perseverance to see guys through issues like Corbin Burns, for instance, uh, after his awful 2019 to stick with him and see what he's been able to do now, now that he's an all-star to me, it's a, it's an incredible uh, testament to the organization and their faith in their own system. And, uh, you know, I know Peralta was technically acquired in a trade, but we've had him since he was an A-ball. Um, these guys being the three big guns that they are now leading this rotation, not only this season, but for the next, uh, you know, what, at least four seasons until uh, they hit free agency is really exciting. Uh, so I think that we'll probably still be active at the trade market. And again, we'll analyze that later, but, um, you know, I, I, I love the fact that we can rely on sort of this homegrown core as well to build around. It's a lot easier to do that than have to go get, like, your big piece, um, you know, just via trade or count on another team getting rid of somebody. Well, I mean, if you really think about the, the – since the ninth – the of course, the very well-honored uh, 1982 Brewers World Series appearance um, – the Brewers, the number of really top of the rotation, homegrown starters the Brewers have come up with since then, I would say would be about a handful. And I would maybe yep. think Teddy Higuera, Ben Sheets, yep. and maybe Yovani in the on that list with the fringe, maybe like Jeff D'Amico or Cal Aldred or something. But beyond that. Yeah, or like a Chris Bazio or something. But yeah, no, you're right. And, and even guys like Higuera, Craig, were – you know, Higuera was a pretty established player uh, in the Mexican League. You know, for yeah. instance, he wasn't he wasn't a draft pick out of an American high school or college program. He was an international free agent signing. So, you know, it, it it was a good thing that we developed him to a point. But he was also a you know a pretty well developed guy. So your 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 point spot on. I mean, uh, outside of Sheets and Giardo, and you know, you could argue there were some fringe guys like Navarro or Wakeman or Basio that maybe you know serviceable, of course, but. Um, so you're talking about definitely less than five, 
I think any Brewer fan can agree that there's the develop less than five actual top of the rotation starting pitchers in the last about four yeah. years. And the fact that we currently have, I feel three of them with yeah. cost control at the top of the rotation this year, I think is the number one reason for our success this year. Obviously our, our offense is not for, sure. for our success. It's all our pitching. It's all our starting pitching. Yep. And, and the most exciting thing to me about that is unlike the teams that were built um, when, with Prince and Braun around offense um, with just enough pitching to get us to the playoffs and whatnot in 2008, 2011, I feel this team is built for a better chance at off that postseason success with top rotation arms and a really, really solid back of the back of the bullpen. And I think, well, I totally, totally agree. Totally agree. And, and the other thing that they've really focused on, it seems like in this regime is up the middle defense. Uh, and that to me has been, you know, I, I didn't question it, but I thought, okay, that's, that's good to, you know, have as a priority, but, they really put a ton of focus on it and guys like Colton Wong. I don't think that the numbers always explain just how valuable that he is until I started to watch him every day. I didn't, I didn't quite place the value on him that I probably should have, but guys like Colton Wong and having a guy like Jackie Bradley jr. I know his offensive numbers, uh, hopefully they're coming up now, but you know, he struggled offensively a lot of the first half. Um, but having a guy like Jackie Bradley jr. That you can plug in defensively in center field for another great defender in Lorenzo Cain. Um, Having a guy like Willie Adamas or Luis Urias up the middle, that that up the middle defense coupled with that pitching, coupled with the bullpen, is really great. And then the last point I wanted to make before I'll, I'll turn it over to you or Scotty, who I'm sure jumped on here, is you know, I think I think bats are a little easier to acquire at the deadline. So our offense is you know middle to to, to bottom of the National League in many categories, right? But I do think that we're going to be able to go out, hopefully, and get a big bat uh, at the deadline. I think that would be great. At, inject some power into the lineup, however we can get it. But I do think it's easier to get a big bat like that than it is to get a, a ace caliber pitcher in your rotation. It's not not every day to use your 82 example that a guy like Tom Sutton becomes available, for instance, uh, at the deadline. So, you know, I, I think that that's another thing to keep in mind here for 2021. No, Absolutely. Um, that that's absolutely true, and I guess we'll we'll probably have another podcast. I assume uh, even with Scott's schedule before the uh, actual trade deadline at the end of this month. But um, I, I agree with you that the Brewers should be able to afford and not really too much of a dent in their farm system and still acquire a nice veteran bat. I don't know if it'll be a huge, huge bat, but it'll be someone to really plug in the lineups. And the cool thing now is with such players with such flexibility, you know, like right. Urias, who can play all for the diamond and our depth in the outfield, we really can afford to acquire whatever bat this is at almost any position, I feel. Um, yeah, yep. And plug them in. And, and there's plenty of guys that can play corner, um, you know, those corner infield positions that have some nice bats usually that are, that are made available by teams. So I really feel that we're in a position that we can, we, we'll really have some nice options when it comes to that too. And that, therefore, we can almost like set our price. Uh, for what we're willing to pay to acquire a bat too. So um, yeah, so that all that's very exciting. And um, you know, I'm, I, obviously we can't put ourselves down for sure for the postseason. I, we really have to play out the second half. And and I guess the number one, I think the number one roadblock for that would possibly, you know, not staying healthy for any reason. So I yep. really feel that that, yep. that should be our goal as a team in the second half, especially when it comes to the pitching end of it. 
uh, to try to stay healthy and get us that postseason. And I think limiting those innings is going to be a good thing. And we're going to need those other players to step up that, you know, that, that can give us some innings, including possibly some rookies like Andy Ashby, maybe getting a couple more starts or even someone like Ethan Small who get a call. Um, yep. Or, or, you know, so we'll see. Um, and, and I think the Brewers have also done a good job identifying guys that they, that they you know, had for depth that they realized were either a mistake or didn't work out and moving on from them quickly, unlike previous yes. kind of regimes. And not to throw anyone on the bus, but guys like um, Zach Godley and even um, Wisconsin's own Jordan Zimmerman, I mean, they, they made, they made uh, some appearance with the Brewers, but when it was seen that they weren't uh, the quality the Brewers needed, they moved on from them fairly quickly. So, I mean, um, well, and, 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 and just knowing that again, that final roster spot or two is a bit interchangeable. So being willing to cut bait a little bit earlier than other regimes might have been on a guy like Billy McKinney, he's not a bad player. He didn't do terrible in Milwaukee either. He just, you know, when, when the Brewers DFA'd him and he was played by the Mets, he, he, we needed a, uh, an arm on the bullpen at that during that series. And we were quickly able to fill McKinney's eventual spot on the bench with a guy like Fisher, who since then has also been sent back down to AAA and after being DFA'd. So, you know, there's this sort of interchangeable um, turn at the bottom of the roster, which I think can be good. It, you know, it keeps, it keeps a hotter bat in there. There was a, there was a stretch for like, a week that McKinney was the hottest guy on the team and he kind of carried the team for a bit, but then he went back to sort of more career norms and by being able to be perceptive and see kind of when to ride the wave with a guy like that and when to cut bait and, you know, either try to, you know, get him back to AAA or have to pass him through waivers, whatever it was. We did the same thing with Nottingham uh, earlier this year, twice, you know, and, and it's just interesting to see how they manage that. And it's a very constant thing. There's not many, I have to check, but there's not many games. Uh, it seems like that the Brewers haven't announced some sort of roster move before the game. I swear that we've called up Alex Bettinger like 85 times this year already. It's just it's crazy. <laughs> no, that's interesting. And it's actually really also interesting how the Brewers have built the depth, too, uh, for the front. Because they really seem to like to target those guys that have minor league options that they can shuttle back and forth and not have to, yeah. you know, necessarily. Uh, or, or guys that are just in the fringe where they could possibly afford to DFA them and hope that they sneak back. Through yeah. the Brewers. And, and that's kind of really worked yeah. out from this year. So there's been a whole combination of things. And then I think even when they traded those relievers, Fireisen and um, Rasmussen um, for Domus, I think that they knew that they had some other guys that they could shuttle back and forth to the bullpen. Like the guys you mentioned, Metson Sanchez. I was also going to give a kudos to Jake Cousins who. Yeah. Jake Cousins. Yeah. He's absolutely. really looked pretty good I mean, he passes the eye test for me as far as having dominating stuff. Um, he doesn't have the experience yeah. yet, but I mean, the Brewers are giving him a shot, and and he looks like a pretty pretty solid arm. So, um, Ryan 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 Weber came up and had a solid, you know, one game or something, and was sent back down. But again, we've got those guys now in AAA that either have already had or now have from this season major league experience. That, and again, they know how to get guys out. It's you know, you've got a whole stable full of guys. Angel Pardomo is back in AAA now. I have no problem if we called him up again. I've got confidence in him if he's pitching in the major leagues. There's guy, there's a ton of guys like that, and um, they've done really well to just kind of pick these guys up and 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 use them accordingly. And if you know you can keep a stable of guys in AAA who have major league experience, um, it's huge. You know that depth is huge, and and they've done a really good job with the depth overall in the roster. They've done a really good job keeping guys. Uh, for the bench that have been valuable contributors, you know, I think we we should throw some props out to 
a guy like Jace Peterson, who our, uh, our anonymous source, Tom Carter, said that the Brewers are very high on, but he was able to pass through uh, waivers unclaimed uh, a month ago, and now he's been huge for us just the past week. And like our anonymous source, Tom Carter, said, you know, you've got to keep your eye on um, these guys that Stearns really values because they have that sort of ability to step in in big games. I mean, Jace stepped up twice for us in the last four games to – to, to sort of be the catalyst for our offense just as recently as uh, Saturday against Pittsburgh. It's just, it's exciting to see that sort of uh, analysis and, and, and skill by Stearns and Matt Arnold and, and the rest of the front office staff. So I, I join, I join you in congratulating them. And uh, I agree with those points, Vince, definitely. But uh, also TC, um, our non source is, says only call him TC or just, he says, just use the information. Um, and not even say, he said, don't even say anonymous because he said something like guys don't even understand what that word means or something, but I don't know what he's talking about, but yeah. So just, just use the information that he gives us, but not, but not his actual name. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. I got to put it in the notes for the interns to put together. After the Excellent. Show. And uh, one thing I wanted to point out, um, you know, before the season and all of our longtime listeners and viewers, of course, know this, that we like to do preseason predictions on the Brewers and, and throw out, you know, who's going to be the team MVP and best pitcher and also a little category called unsung hero. And uh, I know that before the season, we, we each threw out who we thought would be the unsung season, uh, unsung, unsung hero for the season. And uh, I know I didn't see it coming, but um, I guess Scott was the only one to pick Jace Peterson. Um, and I <laughs> laughed at him at the time and which I sometimes do on the show. And I apologize for that. Um, because he sometimes pulls things out of, I don't even know where left field, I guess I'll say, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but he, the, he really nailed this right one and, and kudos to Jace Peterson, <laughs> because if you think of it right now, we currently have three of our, I guess you can call them starting, um, starting player offensive infielders on the DL when we got Travis, yep. Colt Wong and Dan Vogelback all on the yep. DL. And not only have we not, needed Urias to keep us going through this, but we've also needed a little guy named Jace Peterson who could play second, third outfield and pretty much anywhere we tell him to. I'm sure he could pitch if he needed him to, but he's been absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> he, he knows how to walk. There's been so many key situations where he's gotten like key hits or key walks. And it's like, yep. who is this guy? Um, well, that's the thing is uh, his batting average is still only so, so, but, He's on, his on-base percentage is great, and he seems like anytime that you need a clutch at bat late in the game, you know, if I'm Craig Council, Jace is a guy I'd want to lead off uh, if Colton's hurt. You know, and I think that uh, a guy like that who's been around the league long enough to understand kind of his role, and uh, I'm, I'm guessing he's a pretty popular guy on the team from what I've heard. Uh, it, it seems like he's the guy that kind of is, is, is sort of a, a weird glue for the clubhouse that, Again, most people that work for ESPN or some other national outlet would have no idea uh, who Jace Peterson is, let alone his role on a team like this. But, um, you know, anybody who follows Brewers baseball can see it day to day uh, what kind of value he brings to the team. So, anyways, I, you know, just wanted to throw that out there as a, a props to Jays for his outstanding first half. Yeah, no. And even, yeah, he's just. He's been, it's just one of those things where any team could have claimed him numerous times, I believe. And, and they just like, well, we have no room on a roster for this guy or whatever. But there's something about his profile that I think that the current Brewers brass 
it appeals to. And, and I think it really stems from that um, really good plate discipline. And the yep. things that I think that has changed in the culture of the Milwaukee Brewers front offices on this current regime from previous ones um, is the focus on, like you said, defense, the focus on plate discipline, and the focus on position versatility. And yep. those things are coming up really huge, I believe. Agreed. Agreed completely. Uh, you know, and fun that, you know, years ago, I'm sure, but it, it's been really fun to watch. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding. It, you know, when you see the success of the team on the field, that's when you know things are, are working. And I, I do think that it's not random. I think that there's a, that there is a plan that, you know, Stearns, Arnold, Council, uh, you have all put in place that um, they're seeing the program through. You've heard him talk about that in interviews. And, um, I, I think that that's kind of the word that they all go back to. That there's a, there's a program that is in place that is going to hopefully continue to turn out these good results. And, you know, some of the stuff might seem a little unorthodox, uh, things like getting a center fielder when you already have a center fielder or things like getting another shortstop when you already have three or we did it with first base in 20, what was that, 2018 when we had like Choi and Thames and we are and, you know, three or four guys playing first base on opening day. And, uh, you know, it's a bit unorthodox, but hey, if if, if it's unorthodox uh, to do that, it's also unorthodox for the Brewers to have made the playoffs for three or hopefully now four straight seasons. So I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. Like um, just phenomenal time to be a Milwaukee Brewer fan. I feel um, in fact, one thing I was talking to, to Scott about, um, obviously I was hoping to join in uh, to say, but again, hangovers are hangovers, but um, the, um, do you remember the last time the Brewers had an eight plus game lead in the NL central? I would think 2011 would be the last time. Okay, off the top See, of my head, I, I bet that's again. I don't. He, I guess. We didn't have. He had his interns check out, but um, he had to fire one or two of them because they, they didn't get back in time. But he he yeah. is he just from memory. He doesn't remember the Brewers ever having a 10 plus game lead in the Central since we moved to NL, and I, I believe that's probably true because I don't remember that either. So, I, well, I think 2011 didn't we finish 10 games ahead of St. Louis at the end of the season, but. Um, I could be wrong on that. We'll have to have a. That it was around there, but I, I, yeah, I don't remember. I guess the our point kind of being was um, that the Brewers, who just recently had an eight and a half game lead, and as of this podcast, have a seven game lead in, in the division. That's a yep. really kind of nice little cushion to have as we enter the second half of the season. Obviously, after the All Star break, yep. I think we have to continue to play well. Um, Scott also pointed out to me that the Brewers have a pretty. Not only do we have a kind of tough April schedule, but we have a really tough September schedule too. A lot of good teams on that schedule, but I think yep. my, my, what I said, you know, is that I, I really feel the Brewers have played fairly well against really good teams um, as they did in April. And I think that I'm confident they'll do that again in September. So I'm not that concerned about it. I, I just think that the Brewers need to continue playing positive baseball and I'm excited about the second half of the season for sure. Absolutely. It's going to be a good time. And, uh, you know, I don't know what your plans are for the all-star game. We'll certainly be watching here though. Although uh, down here in, in Houston, the Astros have a brief homestand. So I'm going to check out the A's coming to town this week and, and the Yankees also come to town this week. So hopefully get out to, to Minute Park for a couple of games. Well, also, of course, keeping a close eye on uh, the Brewers uh, and their schedule this week, we open up a, a uh, big series against the Mets tonight. Uh, here it is. We're taping this on a Monday, so the Brewers will be playing 
uh, in about two minutes, it looks like. So excited to see the Brewers hopefully have a, a good start to the week against the Mets here in three games at City Field in New York. No, I actually think it's a very important week for the Brewers going into the All-Star break because, again, the Mets are the leaders in the NL East currently, and I think that's a strong indicator of the team they could face in the playoffs. So you've got the Mets for three games on the road, and then you come back to Miller Park for, I believe, a four-game series this weekend against the Reds. And yep. they're in second place in our division, and you, you can't slip up and, you know, mess that series up and let them kind of back in the, you know, within five games of us or whatever before the All-Star. So yep. it's a really important week for the Brewers actually going into the All-Star break. Um, and of course, I'm excited about the All-Star game as well. Um, after all the stars were announced, you get kind of excited. Some guys are just having kind of phenomenal first halves. Uh, if you look over in the AL with Vlad and Shohei Itani and what they're doing is pretty, pretty un- unheard of. But uh, yep. I guess the other thing that's kind of throwing me off is the fact that of course, the baseball has traditionally held their amateur draft the first two weeks of June. Um, and obviously it was different last year because of COVID. Um, and it's it's different again this year. And for whatever reason, they put it during the same three days of the All-Star break, which is, you know, I like to focus on that. Uh, but there'll be multiple awesome baseball things happening at one time, I guess. But, uh, yep, yep. I guess I'm hoping that uh, – Sometime this week, we'll be able to do another podcast where we do a little bit of a uh, amateur draft preview for the Brewers. I think they have, um, you know, for the at least trying to guess what they might do with their first round picks, some possible guys they might target and stuff like that. So hopefully, we can get that in for our for our listeners as well sometime. Before. Yeah, absolutely. And and you can follow us on social media too. We'll we'll do some draft analysis uh, as it's happening and kind of analyze the Brewers. Uh, well, our 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 picks for the Brewers to pick. And select in the draft, uh, before the draft, and then during the draft too. We can we can do some tweeting uh, just to just to kind of bring you up to speed as quickly as we can uh, about the Brewers draft selection. Try to give you the background. Scott's doing some research, I'm sure, right now, and um, we'll 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 certainly be all all over the draft, and uh, hopefully can tape an episode. Uh, again, you can give us a follow on Twitter, Brew Crew Review One. Uh, you can also email Scott at Brew Crew Review Podcast with an S at gmail.com as well with any uh, drafts or brewers related questions. Excellent. And, and uh, actually I believe the same as most other years, the all-star facilities start on Sunday night with the futures game and uh, congratulations to our left-handed pitching um, starting pitcher prospect, Ethan small, who has been named to the futures game. So there'll be that Sunday night. There'll be the drafts first round and the first round starting on Monday. And then the home run derby that night, followed the next day by the all-star game and the rest of the draft. It's a pretty exciting couple of days of baseball. So, Absolutely. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's great to have some baseball going on. And we're uh, we're in July now, Craig. We're in the thick of it. So this is, this is a great time to be a, a baseball fan. Great time to be a Brewers fan as well. And I know our, our, uh, our listeners are, are basically on the edge of their seats wanting to know how our baseball, Brook Review baseball trip went this year. So we're going to wait for Scotty to talk a little bit more about that. Um, as we visited the Florida, the Tampa area in Florida and saw a couple of games. So we'll talk about that and how Scott saved a bird and whatnot. Um. <laughs> and, and our trip to, and our trip uh, to Chicago as well. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, all right. So there's lots for our, our, li- our listeners that look forward to our baseball fans look forward to. And of course, uh, Big weekend for Milwaukee sports, the Bucks in the finals and the Brewers going strong into the all-star break. So 
Absolutely, Craig. Thanks. Thanks for the show here. This is uh, this has been good. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Scotty. Thanks uh, to Marty Weltkopf, speaker as well. So uh, much appreciated, everybody. All right. Well, stay classy, Chad Collins, and go Brewers. <laughs> stay classy, go Brewers. Do 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 do.